Welcome to the Cost of Goods Told podcast. My name's Connor. I'm a chef and media producer. I am joined as always and in person, finally, Darren Lafferty. It is good to see that bearded face, man. Did I check your temperature when you got here? Ah, don't oh, worry my. about it, man. I'm good. I'm good. We've been social distancing. I've been putting on the mask when and where people have asked me to, you know, just trying to navigate all of that has been uh, a bit of a headache, but you Well, know, it's good to be out. Get some is. fresh air. Good to see you again. We are, we are very fortunate. If you're watching the video version of this, you can see that we're in an awesome room. I actually uh, had a tour of this room on my birthday when we did my birthday party here. We sat at a big old table in the corner there, and then we walked through here, and I just wanted to start sipping like crazy. So uh, <laughs> we, are, uh, we are at Boss Cat Kitchen. Uh, we are joined by uh, John Reed. Uh, John, why don't you uh, tell everybody that uh, what you're a part of? Because I don't think I could list it all, man. So. Uh. <laughs> Very happy to be here. Appreciate it. Thank you so uh, much. Darren and I have been going back and forth for, I don't know, it feels like a couple months now, but uh, <laughs> big fans of one another, big fan of what you do. Uh, Thank you. Just a, a, a big integrity guy, and uh, you don't see a lot of that, and I could uh, feel it from almost day one, so I uh, appreciate the opportunity <laughs> to sit down with you guys. Uh, we, uh, we're a restaurant group. Uh, started a mom and pop shop, small sports bar in Irvine, <laughs> California. And uh, it just got uh, it got a little bigger than we anticipated. So <laughs> we're on uh, we're on five restaurants right now uh, in uh, in two states. We have a Boss Cat Kitchen uh, is our whiskey bar, and then we have uh, Ten Asian Bistro is our sushi restaurant, and uh, BCK, which is our uh, burger joint, Americana uh, over in the Heights. We got a handful of bars too. We got a couple here in Houston, and then we have uh, Arizona, Orange County, uh, California. So a little bit of everything, and we we go off off premise. Uh, a couple times a year, um, I have a business partner. We own a, uh, a festival company that does, uh, you know, 15, 20,000 people uh, six or seven times a year. Our, our biggest one, uh, which is fun because we get a lot of our, our on-premise, our restaurant people involved in it. And uh, that's uh, the Ohana Festival with Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. And nice. we did Red Hot Chili Peppers last year. So uh, a wide variety of hospitality-centric items. Yeah. <laughs> you, but you're staying busy. Staying busy. <laughs> staying busy. You know, this this business, you guys both know, this business is uh, it's it's ever-changing. And uh, it's very dynamic. And that's that's good and bad. And, you know, when you're, uh, when you're in the throes of it, you know, we're still – we're big. We're, we're we're bigger than a mom and pop now. We got 250 employees. We're going to be 300 in about four months here, but we're uh, still involved heavily, you know. Um, and that makes for the days a little bit longer. But uh, culture is. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But culture is my number one uh, priority. And as long as I can be in these restaurants, we will be. Yeah, the one of the things that I think attracted me to your concepts and to you as a person was how involved you were on social media with the team, right? There was always some great example of you uh, working with your employees, supporting your employees, employing your employees, and doing everything you could to keep it that way. And I think that, you know, there's some people who sit at the top of the hill and point and grunt and say, do what I say. And there's some people who get in and get their, their feet dirty and feet wet and make it happen. And you seem to be one of those guys. Is that accurate? Yeah, you know, uh I was telling you, you know, off off camera here, you know, I just I just got involved in the social media thing about a year and a half ago, and and uh, before it was, you know, I didn't want to, it was nonsense, I didn't want to get involved in it. And then it became a, you know, who wants to hear from me? You know, there's a lot more successful people out there in the world, and then I realized uh, when used correctly, uh, just how much of a tool it is, and mm -hmm. the ability to motivate people and give them a good message, and and uh, you know, now I, I try to be a little bit more forward with. Uh, you know, being present on social media and being present here in, in the restaurants, why that's so important 
from day one, I, I'll, I'll tell anybody that will listen. And, um, you know, our head of operations and, and uh, my partner Ty is here right now. Uh, I've never been the smartest guy in the room. And, uh, you know, when I got into the restaurant business, it was very natural. And um, when I created my own vision, you know, alongside uh, my, my business partner, Leslie, who's we've been business partners for, you know, almost 11 years now, um, I realized that hard work was the recipe for success for me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to be the smartest guy in the room. And that gave me a lot of confidence. You know, before all this, I was selling software and doing this. And, mm -hmm. and um, it was evident I wasn't the smartest guy in the room. I didn't have a passion for it. And uh, my confidence was extremely low and insecurity was extremely high. So getting into this industry, uh, it just feels natural. And there's an opportunity because there's a lot of people like me that are just hardworking guys. They don't have a huge education. Uh, and they think the restaurant business is more so a dead end than anything else. Yeah. I got servers making more than the people they serve or yeah. they serve on, you know. So yeah. uh, just letting them know that this is, there's a good opportunity in this industry. Uh, that rewards hard work. And again, along the way, if you can learn something, a thing or two, you're going to be even more dangerous. You mentioned some of the things you did before that you weren't passionate about, but did you come up in the restaurant industry? Did your parents own restaurants? Did you, did, were you in it long term before you tried to do other things or why has it come so natural? Uh, great question. Uh, my grandfather was in the restaurant business, but that's where it ended. And I never had a chance to interact with him. He passed away, unfortunately, before I was, uh, uh, uh born, but uh, no, there was no direct uh, lineage in okay. this industry. Um, it was just a means to an end at 14 years old, and then it became 16, 19, 21, you know, and through college, um, you know, I, I did have a – I was blessed to have a full scholarship for basketball, but, um, you know, you're still looking to pay the bills and have sure. some fun. So weekend jobs, bartending, all that stuff. And I guess I, uh, to answer your question, I, full circle, I kept coming back to it. Gotcha. And every time I didn't, I didn't have a passion for something, I get back into it. And uh, I got with the Roos, uh, Roos Chris franchise and was with them for four or five years going through the ranks and I just fell in love with uh, the hours. Yeah. Um, you know, that makes me weird. I'm sure everybody at this table right now is a little weird uh, when it comes to that. But I love the hours. Well, I love if you're a night owl, then you're going to love the restaurant business. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's changed over the over, – uh, you know, the last 10 or 11 years, not the passion. And I love the hours. The hours have changed a lot early in the morning. Now, you know, the yeah. administrative portion of being an owner, significantly different, but, uh, no, no big lineage uh, in the, uh, in the industry. Just, uh, just a big passion that grew over, you know, the last 20, 20 some years. Gotcha. What was that first step? What was the first kind of leap into, all right, you know, I'm done with software. What was that first venture and how was that <laughs> great question uh that's why we're all sitting here honestly um you know when when i was uh in the restaurant business the nightclub business in hollywood california that's where things got a little sideways for me um you know with the, the party and all that stuff i ended up getting out of it because I, I was going down a dark place and i got into software and i gotta be honest i was already in the dark place so i just took that with me to software uh and i've always i always show up to work i always do my thing but um just didn't have a passion for it, and on top of that, I was I was cloudy most of the time. So when I got out of the the uh, the, the uh, cloudy technology, with a chance, cloudy with a chance of rain. Yeah, yeah. every day. <laughs> when I got out of the technology world, um, it was because I found an opportunity with Red Bull North America, okay, and uh, the energy drink. Mm -hmm. And at first, I'm like, well, this isn't an opportunity for me when they came knocking on my door. But then I realized the scope of the uh, the opportunity it was in distribution. So it was an opportunity to be strategic 
and to get out in the field and work on premise and do all that stuff. And that really re-engaged my fire for the industry because I was walking into restaurants, bars, hotels every five minutes uh, trying to sling this product. <laughs> and uh, it also taught me a lot about the business side of it that I wasn't really privy to before, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a bartender and as a door guy and a server, you only see one side of it. Right. Yeah. But when you get into the dollars and cents, you know, and, you know, I had some big, I had all of Southern California. We had Las Vegas, big energy markets. You're talking about big dollars, big marketing dollars. Right. You're learning a lot about the industry again. And it got me excited again. And uh, I ran into who would be my eventual partner, Leslie. She was opening a small sports bar across from my house. Uh, 1,500 square feet, 61 seats. Uh, no one in town wanted us there because Irvine's a very conservative community. Yeah. And here we are. Uh, and we're wrecking shop right in the middle of it. <laughs> and uh, I loved her work ethic. And I loved what she was doing. And I was a regular there for about six months. And her business partner, um, her business partner was, was a piece of shit. Let's just be honest. Uh, and she'll probably kill me for saying that. But uh, she was there to say she was an owner. Leslie was there to own the place. Yeah. Right? To you. put the grind in. And I loved it. So I just started picking up plates around the bar and helping her clean up. And next thing you know, I'm like, you know, I'm actually pretty good at this if you want my help. No, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. You're a good regular. Okay. <laughs> and uh, fast forward a couple months, you know, I'm sitting down on a Friday night having some beers with some buddies. And, and her business partner walks in and, and uh, grabs something and walks out. And I said, she's by herself, 61 people. She's hustling. And she said, you, that offer still stand? And I said, I'll start right now. And uh, that was history. Really? Oh, wow. And I started in that moment, and I never looked back. And for five years, we ran this little sports bar through 2008, 2009, 2010, when the economy was, was down. We were doing, you know, a million bucks out of a tiny sports bar. Yeah. Killing it. Yeah. And uh, that just parlayed us into more opportunities. But that was really my segue, though. I took the long road. But uh, <laughs> I got back into it passively through Red Bull and then directly with the sports bar. Very cool. And what was kind of that that biggest learning curve when you went from, all right, I'm on this side of the bar to now I'm <laughs> I'm on that side and, and trying to run things? Uh, trust. Okay. Trust. Because mm-hmm. uh, when I came back on with, with Leslie, uh, she was the face. And I was kind of used to always being the life of the party. I'm a big guy. I'm outgoing. Uh, I used to drink a lot. Um, but realizing that, you know, we had to have roles for this to work. There wasn't a lot of operational efficiencies at the time. She was just yeah. kind of running. So I learned early on, I need to be I need to be that guy. I got to be the guy that sets up the operations, that does the back of the house, that organizes uh, everything. We had a small food menu. So you were the busser, you were the cook, you were the barber, you know. <laughs> yeah. So um, learning my role and creating trust with her because it started as hers, mm-hmm. right? And I want you to be on board, but don't, don't change my vision, <laughs> right? And... Uh, for me, getting back into the swing of things wasn't about the hours. I love the hours. I was bred for the hours. It was building that trust with somebody that's, listen, uh, we, this can be mutually beneficial, right? And if I can help set up the operation, we can, we can sustain this for a long time. Because mm-hmm. what you're currently doing right now, it's not going to last long term, Yeah. right? This isn't a business. This is a hobby. Right. And she said, I want a business. I said, all right, then let me do this and you do that. And we're going to be a, a, a huge success. That's awesome. And you parlayed that into? Into Boss Cat Kitchen, yeah. <laughs> Boss Cat Kitchen started as Skyloft Lounge, all right? No one knows that. Um, but uh, we had an opportunity in Southern California at the biggest mall uh, at the Irvine Spectrum, uh, which is the 800-pound gorilla. They're, they're the biggest landlord in California. Gotcha. And uh, 
we somehow we weaseled our way in there and uh, we were going to open a sports bar on steroids and every every table had its own tap the whole the whole oh, night yeah. you put the coins in and oh i remember those problem was is that we had no money <laughs> so once the Irvine company realized we had no money the deal was dead in the water yeah and um, we uh, we kind of stalled out a little bit at that point and then we, i learned my biggest lesson in entrepreneurship uh, in business, we sat down with a guy. He's a buddy of mine. He had a couple million in the bank, and uh, we pitched Skyloft. And we said, "Hey, we, we want to resurrect this thing. We found another location. We want you to put all the money in, and we're going to run it." And he said, uh, "What are you putting into it?" And we said, "Well, sweat equity." And he, he yeah, it doesn't work that way, Johnny. Uh, he goes, "I love you. You're a great guy, but uh, all the liability is now on me. Right? Right? You need to have some skin in the game." And I mean, that seems pretty obvious, right? Yeah. But he, uh, now he, it does. He blew back my hair a little bit and we said, okay, we got to figure out how to get, get some capital. And we also got to figure out what our value proposition is because mm -hmm. if we're going to bring an investor in or a consumer, we got to have a very clear value proposition for them. Right. Well, we just stopped partying, honestly. Because we were making so much money in that little bar, but we were spending so much. Spending all the big cars, and we had Range Rovers and Mercedes and, <laughs> and the stuff we shouldn't have. And uh, so we cut back on all that, and we started stacking our chips. And then we were able to come to the table with, with some money. And then the idea of Boss Cat came to life when I, I, we walked into a bar in Southern California. This is back when uh, gastropubs were hot, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and mixology was like... Cool, right? And it was never cool for me, by the way. Never cool. We don't call our bartenders that. Um, we walked into a bar, and uh, I'm a Coors Light and Jameson guy. I'm a simple guy. And my business partner, uh, she is craft mixology foodie, yeah. right? And we walked in, and we're looking around. I'm standing at the bar, and no one's giving me service. And I'm like, this is you know typical. Yeah. And then I finally said, hey, hey. And he said, yes, sir, how can I help you? I said, Coors Light and Jameson. And uh, God is my witness, and Ty's sitting here. He's heard this story about nine hundred times, but uh, <laughs> you know, we just we don't serve that shit here. And I, what? Right? And my my instinct was to grab the guy and punch him in the face, but uh, no problem. Put twenty bucks on the bar, we're out of here. And we walked outside. I looked at the lesson. I said, "There's got to be a way to build something, a brand in which is approachable for for a guy that wants a course like Jameson, yep. but still is elevated." With a, a nice craft cocktail, sure. Mm -hmm. All right, that has. Where's all this snobbery coming from, and all this entitlement, you know? And when did bartenders become gods? I guess they always thought they were gods. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> when did that happen? And uh, that's where Boss Cat came to life. That's where Boss Cat came to life, and um, the name really was a a byproduct of we wanted to tell a story. And once we realized what we wanted to do, which was a whiskey bar, no one was doing at the time. And uh, we had an idea of the food. We we're like, well, what's the name? You know, we went through all the whole spectrum of names. And uh, my friends used to call Leslie uh, the boss cat, mm -hmm. mainly as a joke because she was the boss around the bar, right? Right. And I'm a seven-foot guy. She's a five-foot-four girl. So, and we were best <laughs> of friends. We laughed, but then we're like, it tells a story. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. and, it's, and no one, no one's ever heard of that before. Yep. And it tells a story. And we never anticipated being in multiple states and having the opportunity to, you know, to push to 10, 15 restaurants. So we said it's a great idea and it speaks to who we are. And behind walking out of that bar and deciding to make an approachable environment for anybody to sit and drink, coming up with that name was the second best thing we ever came up with <laughs> because it really told a story. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump back a little bit on you because I know in this business there's a lot of sacrifices. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of folks who listen to the show, watch the show, they don't understand the sacrifices it that owners are making 
to be in the business. And you mentioned something. You sat down with a good friend of yours. He basically said, hell no, uh, you don't have enough skin in the game, so you stopped spending money. But you had all these things. Did you sell things? Did you get rid of the Range Rovers? Did you get rid of the fun items? And I'm not asking you to tell us how you raised money, but those tangibles certainly would be a good way to start by getting rid of that and would certainly be a sacrifice. Darren, there's no no question you're going to ask me that I won't give you the answer to. Transparency (laughs) is something that we – it's part of actually our core beliefs here. I think you learn the most during transparency. But answer your question, did I lose something? I lost everything. I lost my 401K. I lost my house, my two cars. Right. I borrowed money from friends I couldn't pay back. I made deals that I knew I couldn't fulfill. Um, and uh, we actually went on a, a, a localized version of Shark Tank. Um, and at that time, my beard was, was longer than Darren's over here. <laughs> and it was this big. And I, I refused to shave until we opened our front door. Well, 12 months later, we still hadn't opened our front door yet. I'll show you a picture after. But uh, So I walk into this room with all these investors. And they're mainly tech investors. And I walk in there, and I'm in a Jameson T-shirt again. Presentation was terrible. <laughs> I got my beer, but I'm a pretty pretty good speaker, so I'm like, I'll get up there and do my thing. And a uh, guy before me was a technology company. Guy after me was a technology company. So I go in, we do our thing, we give everybody uh, a, a bottle of Basil Hayden, and we think that's going to woo them. And a, we know we need half a million dollars. All right, who's who's in? Nobody. Yeah. Uh, walk out of that meeting. <laughs> guy brought us to me and said, "Listen, man, you know, I'll give you ten grand. You know, but no, no, we're just it's not our field." Yeah. And uh, it was dead end after dead end. Well, we were already under construction at this point because I, we took every dollar we had. We made from the bar. We yep. had collected, you know, so we got into this thing and we were still underfunded by hundreds of thousands at this point. And uh, that's when I made, you know, I sold my soul a little bit to make deals and I knew I couldn't pay back. And I'll mm-hmm. be honest with you, that was a mistake. And uh, if that's one thing I could change, it'd be that. It wouldn't be the hustle. I don't give a shit about the cars and sure. the house and living on my buddy's sofa at 33 years old, it was that. Yeah. It was making deals I knew I couldn't repay. Um, but there was a chip on my shoulder because the whole time they said that bar owners, they can't own a nice restaurant. Bar owners can't own, you know, this high-end whiskey bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a chip on the shoulder kind of guy. <laughs> so that drove us. Yeah. Uh, but we lost everything. We lost everything. I lost a lot of good friendships with some of the terrible deals I made. And and uh, we're fortunate that we came out of it. Yeah. The, the, you know, the long road to success, right, which you guys are experiencing some success now. You're not at a standstill. You're not in a holding pattern. You're still growing. But are any of those relationships repaired? Have they been able to be repaired after that type of damage? Or, or Yeah, you know, a lot of people, there was two, there's two versions of me in the last uh, 15 only, years. Only two, I feel like. Only two, <laughs> only two. There was uh, pre-sobriety. And post sobriety, okay, mm-hmm. and uh, pre sobriety, uh, his priorities and um, the uh, the meaning of his his bond and his word was not the moral fiber I had before. I don't know if it was as strong as it is now. Yeah. And um, once I got sober, which was uh, seven years plus now, which is right around the time this started happening, right? We started building first boss cat mm-hmm. um there was a significant change and people started witnessing the change yeah and at first they're like yeah you've been sober for a month and then it was six months yeah, yeah. and then it was a year mm-hmm. and as i went through that the forgiveness increased actually yeah. because they saw the effort and they realized i was going to do anything to get this thing open yeah including making some poor choices that i do regret and i had a chance to uh apologize to someone and some of my family 
Yeah. You know, and uh, but I had a chance to uh, to apologize. And because the efforts I made to be consistent and to remain sober, um, they, they, they were very forgiving. So I'm very lucky in that respect. I'm not up here and I've never been on the pedestal saying everybody should get sober. I mean, I sell alcohol for a living, but I wasn't responsible with it. I didn't, sure. I didn't, I didn't use it, you know, as the right tool to mm -hmm. go out and have fun and enjoy with your buddies and your wife and, and do all those things. You know, it was just, uh, I wanted to go as far as I could go before I died. And, uh, I needed to forgive myself a lot for the, a lot of that stuff and the damage that I had done. So I use it as a tool. I, uh, you know, every one of my staff members, there's hundreds of them. Uh, everyone knows my story. Everyone knows, uh, you know, pretty much how long I've been sober and, what I went through, uh, very transparent, a great tool to teach people in this industry where alcohol and drugs mm -hmm. are so rampant. So it's a great tool, honestly. What would your advice be? Let's say you're talking to the industry in general, to someone who may find themselves in that cycle right now, you know, because it is prevalent, you know, I mean, you're talking guys are not only, it, it's a tough industry. And then at the end, it's pretty easy to go and, and grab a couple beers, you know, off of the tap, you know, but what would, what would your, your piece of advice kind of be just for a starting point for them? You know, man, that's a great question. And, uh, I've actually been asked that several times and I think my answers change every time, but <laughs> I, uh, that's maturity. Listen, this industry can be a lifelong journey positive drink. It doesn't have to be transient where you're going into this to get out of something away from something, or you're getting into this before you head to something else. Mm -hmm. It can be, it can be a very fulfilling, um, uh, journey. And what I tell people is, is listen, you need to look at it as a business. And, uh, I walked into my first day of rehab the second time. And, uh, my father had flown across the country to take me to make sure I went. And uh, I didn't realize that. I put a jacket on. I get in, take my jacket off, and uh, my counselor said, uh, "That shirt's completely inappropriate." And I looked down. It was a Jameson shirt, <laughs> and uh, I, I said, "I, I apologize." And, and uh, she said, "Well, I think you need to get out of the industry and sell your bar." And I said, "You're out of your mind. I'm not doing that." And she said, "Then why don't you treat it like a business?" And I don't know why that stuck with me. I'm sure someone else had told me that along the way, <laughs> but it stuck with me. What I tell them now is, listen. This industry gives you flexibility, right? It gives you autonomy to grow and be yourself, right? And it teaches you more discipline being around it every day, yeah. right? Than anything will ever teach you outside of sports. Mm -hmm. And if you can use this industry uh, as a tool to create discipline in your life, right? You have the flexibility to do so many other things. Go out and work out, chase other dreams, right? Because it's very flexible about picking up shifts, dropping shifts, morning, noon, and night. And no other industry is going to give you that flexibility to chase other dreams and other priorities. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really indirect. Directly is there's just a lot of people that can't sit in a barbershop and not get a haircut. I mean, that's the yeah. bottom line, right? right. So I, 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 am a, I, I am a unique mentor in this space because I don't take on a lot of people that want to be sober because they're not ready for the journey. Mm. Right. And a lot of them have to understand that this journey is going to test you every five minutes. And to your point, at the end of a shift, when you think you had a bad day, you got a bad tip. Right. You got that habit of I have to go have a couple beers to drown it out right. and move on. Uh, you know, I haven't found the right answer. And I've been asked that several times. Okay. I've spoken in front of a bunch of people because I don't know if people can do what I did. I'm not special. I just hit such a rock bottom that. 
there was no alternative but to go up. And there was no way I was walking away from my business, right? As a server and a bartender, we have made, I think, seven people have become sober in our company wow. that are servers or bartenders. And we're talking about five, seven years now. Wow. Yeah. We're not talking about 30, 30 days. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, giving them a good example. And I tell them, I said, listen, guys, I'm cooler now walking into the restaurant with everybody know I'm sober than I was when I walked in and bought everybody a drink. Right. My friends changed. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. I'm way cooler now because everybody's like, man, that guy has so much discipline and he's so focused. He works seven days a week. I said, the euphoria from that is far greater than the hangover, yeah. right? That you're yeah. going to get after the euphoria dips after a night out with your buddies. Right. But I, I wish I had better advice. I'll be honest with you. No, no, no. That's, that's perfect. Uh, I think, uh, I think listeners can, can take the information that's going to stick with them. But you know, uh, if, Someone was to reach out to you via Instagram, you know, with, with a question. Is, is that something that we can encourage? Absolutely. You know? Wonderful. Well, we're going to take a quick short break. We're going to listen to a word from our sponsor, Bernie Brand Hot Sauce. And we'll be right back with part two of the Cost of Goods Told podcast. Chriswell Culinary aims to create a new standard of unique, affordable hot sauces that satisfies the more developed cravings of today. Bernie Brand Texas Style Hot Sauce is a boldly layered sauce with density and personality to proudly represent Texas. Go to BernieBrand.com to find a retailer near you. That's Bernie, B-O-E-R-N-E, Brand.com. Welcome back to part two of the Cost of Goods Told podcast. John, we were kind of talking off camera, and I think it's actually a good uh, starting point for part two. We were kind of talking about the intensity that you have to have uh, with building any sort of business and what that can do to the team around you. And I know David Chang explained it almost perfectly where he said, you work so hard to get to the top of this mountain and you've burnt every bridge along the way that you kind of stand alone up there. Um, and it kind of sounded, and if you don't mind recapping a, a little bit of what we talked about, that, that kind of happened to you a little bit. Uh, there was no pedigree in my family for success. Great family, great mother, great father, still married 40 some years, right? Wow. Teacher, administrator, right? Nothing in this particular industry. So I think the, the lack of, uh, of, I, you know, for lack of the lack of pedigree, when I got this idea, I, di I didn't know where to go with it. I just knew that I just had to keep moving forward with it. And you get so blinded to everything else. Uh, including relationships and, you know, burning that bridge, as David Chang said, you're burning. You don't realize you're burning it. You know, I left, <laughs> I left a wake of, a, you know, I left burning villages. Ashes, right? Ashes you know, everywhere. you talk about Game of Thrones. I mean, everything was burned <laughs> behind me. Scorched uh, earth. And yeah. I don't think you realize, well, I hope you don't realize you're doing it along the way. Right. And as you get, you ascend to some success, right? Mm -hmm. First thing, and I see a lot of this with pro athletes, never had money. You give them money, what do they do? They go spend yeah. it all. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's gone. Same thing. You know, you get a little bit of success, you want a little bit more. You get a little bit more, and then you start spending it all, right? And then you realize, I didn't need all that shit, right? Yeah. And then you turn around, and you're alone. Uh, and I've been fortunate that I've never been so far removed where I was alone. Mm -hmm. um, I've remained extremely humble through this process. And I've had people around me that have reminded me along the way. Right. <laughs> uh, so I didn't burn all the bridges, but the ones I burned, I turned around, and I, I recognized that very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's been part of our company DNA for almost the first store that we wanted to grow this thing together and collectively. And uh, we decided early on 
that uh, a mentor of mine, his name was Joe Vaught. He owns everything in San Diego. And uh, he brought his general managers and his partners. And uh, I said, well, you know, managing partners? Or he said, equity partners, right? You give me 10 grand, you get a stake in the business. I'll work you to death. But you get a stake in the business. Next one pops up, you get to be a, you get to stake in that one, put money in. And uh, I loved it. And I, I've always wanted to bring people along with me because I came from nothing. And I was like, you know what, if I can change people's lives along the way while changing mine, this would be a great story. You yeah. know, and almost like you envision a, a cul-de-sac at the end of the street and it's all your buddies. They all live there and you all were successful at doing something. Mm -hmm. Your kids all playing together. Uh, metaphorically, that's kind of what my, pro my thought process was. So not only do you have to get these guys to buy into your vision that are on the financial side, but we came in earlier today and, you know, after all this COVID stuff, you've got to kind of re-energize servers and bartenders. Now you've got to, you've got to kind of translate that energy and that passion and get these guys on board. How are you doing it for, I mean, I'm used to just doing it for a kitchen crew or maybe a service staff, you know, when, you know, every once in a while, I can't imagine having investors and things like that. Uh, well, we've been, we've been lucky uh, along the way in that, we have avoided investors altogether. Okay. We've self-funded all of these restaurants, mm -hmm. uh, which is a big pro and a big con. <laughs> Early on in our first restaurant, in the first three months, I had two investors. By month six, I had no investors. Okay. <laughs> I got them out. Didn't want their opinion. Didn't want their input. Wanted to hustle. I took our bank account to zero to do it. And I turned to Ty and I said, we better make some money this weekend. We're not going to be able to make payroll. That's a true story. Uh, Along the way, though, I learned that success in this industry is a team sport. And uh, if it's just my vision and I don't give people the autonomy to grow and learn along the way, uh, I'm going to be standing alone at the top of that mountain yeah. or I'm just going to be standing alone at the bottom of the mountain, sure. most likely. And, uh, you know, you, personalities are uh, plenty on this team. You know, our, <laughs> our, our chef is very protective of his menu. Um, our bar manager is very protective of his menu. Uh, by the way, they're both partners now. Uh, they both own a piece of this business as well. And uh, I realized early on that I needed them to share their vision. And I needed to stand behind that in order for the bigger picture for me, which was to create this big, this really big masterpiece. And in the restaurant business, unlike technology and being a solo entrepreneur, you need everybody invested in it. Right. Yeah. And the only way I found to do that, and the only way I've been successful doing that, is to give them some autonomy to own it own the piece of their menu, teach them along the way, mm -hmm. show them that, hey, I'm giving to you. I need you to give to others as well. But um, it is a team sport. Hospitality is a team sport, plain and simple. Unless you're running a snow cone stand, you yeah. might need some other people, right? <laughs> yep. You might want to bring some people with you. Yeah, and you know what? If you want to keep people uh, in longevity, you better uh, you better give them, you know, you better uh, dangle a carrot, a tangible carrot that they can touch. And is it hard in this industry to find uh, loyalty, and hard workers and you know where i'm going right it, look as many restaurants have as we've talked to breweries chefs pit masters the one common denominator is usually the hardest thing is labor mm -hmm. you guys experience the same thing being in you know houston where there's 4.6 million people you have a problem finding people to come to work just as many freaking restaurants you know <laughs> uh i can tell you we were definitely blindsided by the uh, the lack of loyalty 
early on mm. when we first opened our doors because there was so much opportunity in the city. Yeah. So the moment a new restaurant opened, some of your top players just moved on. Mm-hmm. And that behavior is rewarded because they get a new job and they make three or 400 bucks a night. Yeah. They ride that wave and boom, they're on to the next. We had to recalibrate our, uh, our hiring practices. Um, but honestly, we didn't, we didn't, we, we, we didn't recalibrate that much because from day one, we, we give them a reason to come to work. Um, we're very inclusive in our, uh, in our DNA culture. I've heard you mention cultural service, very inclusive and loyalty is actually one of those things that we actually, we actually work through and we, we, we don't just talk about it. We live it. Um, and we, people put that to the test really quickly, by the way, uh, when that's part of your core (laughs) values, they're testing at every turn, even when they're making mistakes, when you're dealing with 20 year old kids, they're making mistakes, some knowingly, some unknowingly. But they're used to you turning your back on them. Yep. They're used to you just firing them, right? Mm-hmm. And we're all about second chances. And it's amazing the culture that that has bred over our restaurants because we are we we, we give chances to those who have earned the right. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, some let us down. Yeah, and we have to terminate them. But the first time you give a troubled soul an opportunity, it's amazing the loyalty that comes out of that. It's like taking a guest who doesn't like what you're doing, has had a terrible experience. We say, listen, come back in, dinner on us. Yeah. Right? And you bring them back in, and you, 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 go, to the, you go to the moon and back for them. Mm-hmm. Right? And they, well, why would you do that? Because I'd rather have you happy with us and coming back and telling your friends how great we did, mm-hmm. right, than just moving on to the next guest. Yeah. We respond to every single Yelp. We've done that. We have four and a half stars at every one of our restaurants. We have seven or 8,000 reviews at our restaurants and every single one gets responded to because everyone's voice is important. Yeah. You know, and I, that, that's, that's bred additional loyalty because people see the efforts that we go to both with our employees and our customers to retain them, Yeah, you know, and to try to shape them. So through all the second chances, your percentage of wins is higher than your percentage of losses, which means, yeah, some people let you down on the second chance, but you've far exceeded losses with wins in terms of second chances. You guys know more than anybody. Turnover in this industry is 200%. <laughs> I'd say ours is less than 75% turnover. Okay. Uh, we have day oneers uh, at each of our restaurants. We have employees that are seven years, six years, five years. We have dozens. Um, we've bred a really comfortable environment for them to grow in. Mm. And uh, when they've made a mistake, coached them through it. And uh, that has bred a very high level of loyalty. Let's talk about – so we talk, sorry, we Go talked ahead. about – you know, the first part was you and your grind, you and some stumbles along the way, you achieving successes from those stumbles. But let's talk about now successes in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what, what's been so far your biggest success, whether it be with employees, whether it be with management, and those are employees, whether it be with location, concept. What are you most proud of in all your concepts? And let's talk about Houston since we're here. In yeah. Houston, what are you most proud of? Uh, the culture, you know, uh, Houston is a great city. Um, it was the, one of the best choices that I've ever made was bringing us to this city, but it came with a lot of roadblocks and a lot of challenges. You know, we opened up when we were the talk of the town and then the hurricane hit Harvey. Yeah, and it decimated us. It decimated everybody, but it, it decimated our courtship with the city. You know, when you get that first six months and you're the hottest thing in town <laughs> and it was two months. Yeah. Um, but what I'm most proud of is that our culture has transcended California and has been equally as strong here in Houston uh, and equally as strong in all of our concepts. 
uh, it just reaffirms the fact that we're doing it right mm-hmm. and that the employees and the guests see the authenticity of what we're trying to do. At the end of the day, every one of our restaurants, every single day of the week, seven days a week, an owner will be in that restaurant. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. And we don't, we don't just comp your, comp your drink or comp your food when you, you don't like it. We're going above and beyond. We're taking care of the whole dinner. We're doing this. We're doing that. And our, the way our employees talk about us to customers, uh, we never envisioned that as part of our culture, I think. Yeah. But that's probably been the most rewarding is, you know, myself or Ty or Leslie or uh, Peter, Matt. Um, when they're walking around the restaurant – and guests are stopping them to say, man, your, your, your staff loves what you do here. Yeah. It makes it for a fun environment because everybody's having a good time. Sure. Mm-hmm. Staff seems really happy. Uh, that's probably the thing I'm most proud about. I think I experienced that. I came here with my daughter uh, after church on a Sunday. For, we sat at the bar. Uh, and we just had, like, some appetizers because we didn't know what we wanted. So we had two or three appetizers. And we enjoyed ourselves. And then we came back another time, sat at a table. I came back one other time with a, another friend of mine. Everyone was happy. I don't, I don't know if it, it didn't stand out as being awkward or weird, but it made for a more enjoyable experience when someone enjoys what they're doing. You know what I mean? People don't want to work for the man. We talked about that off camera. Right? <laughs> they don't want to work for the man, yeah. you know? And uh, I realize as we get bigger, eventually, you know, me, me figuratively, but literally, we're going to become the man, yeah. right? That's the objective is to get, you know, 10, 12 restaurants, obviously. Uh, what I've told... You know, Leslie specifically is when we get to that point, I'm out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because walking around high five in the staff, walking into the kitchen and knowing all the cooks' names, mm-hmm. right? And jumping in the dish pit, right? That's just not something you do for social media. It's either instinctual or you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And I can tell you, everybody on our senior management team does that on the regular. That's not because someone's watching. And the employees feel that. When they feel that, and they feel that trust, right? The best thing I can tell you, when I walk in this restaurant, we're sitting in the whiskey room right now, when I walk in this restaurant on a Friday night, and I walk by, and the, and the host walks up to greet me with a high five, the whole restaurant sees that. And then I'm walking by the service wall over here, and a server who is in a panic state, we hope they're not, but they typically are, <laughs> grabs me and says, can you please run these damn drinks, right, to 41? <laughs> and then they go, oh, I'm so sorry. It, it's so instinctual for them that we're gonna we're a, we're a part of yeah. the process here, right. part of the team, right? right? Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, guests are watching every interaction, right? And when they see that, it, it's it's just fun for everybody, yeah, right? And and your your employees when they stop being employees, right? And they start being family members, Best right? Team, right? And I know that's a big taboo term in 2019. I, I got I got a message. I don't fucking care. If you aren't investing your employees to know what they're doing inside of work and outside of work, mm-hmm. you're in the wrong business, yeah. in my opinion. And I'll never stay in this business when I can't ask those questions. Yeah. When I can't give a hug to somebody who's having a rough day, guy, girl, I don't care. Uh, if you don't know what my intentions are, right, then you shouldn't be a part of this company. But guests feel that, yeah. right? They feel that. And the employees here feel safe. We make them feel safe. Is there... Since you said that there wasn't necessarily a figure to show you what success is, but is there someone that you could say, hey, I took this from that individual and that's what's helped me along the way? Or, hey, you know, basically, is there someone that you want to give a shout out to for helping you get to where you are right now and where you're going to continue to go? You know, everybody, everybody uh, has a mentor Mm -hmm. and uh, I have a mentor for different things. 
Uh, I'm very grateful for Leslie for giving me the opportunity to be an owner. Uh, and I try to reward her every day for that decision by being the best boss I can be for this company and, and uh, best mentor for everybody. I look at my father because I wouldn't be a, a, such a motivational leader if he wasn't you know, uh, a big figure in my life. My father works for us in the restaurants. He'd been here for four years. He retired. He was getting old. I said, we got to stop that. Uh, get around young people again. So he, he works every morning and, uh, he's a constant reminder to me in our morning walks. I know you see some of those on social media. Yeah. Uh, he's a constant reminder to, to, uh, to humble myself and, you know, coaching philosophy is very, intertwined and symbiotic with our industry because mm -hmm. you got young minds yeah you got young minds that want to be shaped right and there's a lot of a lot of young minds in this industry sp specifically that are lost yep right so i got mentors for different things yeah. i got financial mentors <laughs> uh, i got spiritual mentors um but a lot of people have helped me become a success mm -hmm. along the way a lot of people it, it takes a village yeah. so this is going to be a two-part question uh, you've got the 11 companies now. Boss Cat here is, has done absolutely wonderful from everything that I've read and my experiences here. What are the next steps for Boss Cat or your businesses? And then also, what does the future look like for John? You know, you if, if any of our listeners want some great advice, I know it's on your Instagram, uh, on the Instagram TV thing. It's going to be up on YouTube, yep. I, I think is what you said. But you've got three videos out right now kind of talking about success and, and different things. What one, so where is, where is Boss Cat headed? Where's John headed? Great question. Uh, ultimately, our objective is to get to 10 restaurants and then make a decision as a company. I've committed to these guys that the sacrifice will continue uh, until we get to 10 restaurants, and I'm pretty bullish about it. Um, and every time we do one, I get more bullish about it. Uh, my foot doesn't go off the gas pedal more. Actually, it accelerates. Um, because I, 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 I don't talk about it very much. I don't. I, I'm I'm set. I don't need to work that much anymore. I'll be honest with you. You know, I got, I'm very I'm very successful when it comes to. Uh, I don't need a lot of things. Um, I make it real simple. If I can buy groceries and presents and put a roof over my head, I'm a pretty happy guy. Um, I'm fortunate I have a little bit more than that. But at this point in time, I'm the only one that's going to win in this whole thing, right? If I stop right now, right, and I hand the keys over to Ty or to anybody on the team, you know, they, they have more work to do to solidify their families. Mm -hmm. And as God is my witness, I'm not going to stop until they have financial freedom too. It's the greatest gift you've ever been given. Now, granted, I parlay 95% of that into new restaurants, mm -hmm. right? And pray to God we don't roll a seven, but I don't have to worry about those things anymore, but I still do. Mm -hmm. And my fire every morning to get out of bed is because those guys are not there yet, right? And until I get us all there... And we've, we've identified that, that 10 restaurants with X revenue is going to get us to that place where we're, we're never going to have to work again if we don't want to. And after that, my obligation to everybody is done. Yeah. And I may walk away. I may sell. I may stay. Um, knowing me, I'll probably keep keep moving. Um, <laughs> but as far as the company is concerned, we uh, we got uh, another the Boss Cat development right now. Mm -hmm. Pandemic slowed us down, obviously. Right. Uh, slowed us down would be an understatement. Um, <laughs> we have another one right now. We have another one in development for 2021. So we should have four to five of those. Uh, we're also building out uh, our sushi restaurant, our second one of those. Uh, and we actually 
we're in negotiations for across the street here in Houston really? to put our sushi restaurant. So we should have uh, two or three of those. So we're trying to grow Boss Cat to 10 restaurants. And along the way, if we can build build uh, uh, the 10 Bistro, our sushi restaurant, to four or five, that would be great. But mm-hmm. uh, we see a lot of success with the Boss Cat brand. Uh, me personally, I got a lot more to share, and I have a lot more to learn. Um, I, I realize along the way I'm, I'm a good leader. I'm very consistent. Um, I'm very empathetic and humble uh, along the way, and my my intentions are right. And I just want to I want to show people this industry is going to be a, a career, not not a passerby. Right. And uh, so I, I want to spend as much time doing that as possible. I mean, the idea, not just because he's sitting here, but the the idea has been always is to pass the reins over to Ty. Yeah. And uh, he's our COO. Um, these terms are funny still, but he's our COO. <laughs> That's um, the corporate side right there. But is to, to pass the reins to him and uh, go out there and just spread the message and spread the love about this industry. Kind of like what you guys are doing. I'll be honest with you. Um, I got a lot of love for what you guys do. Um, there's not some big reward in it. You know, it's just a lot of a good feeling. And this industry is very, very rewarding if you let it be. That's awesome. We so, appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like we could go for another two hours, seriously, because there's, there's a lot here. I appreciate all the time that you've given us. If people want to know what's kind of new with Boss Cat or kind of get the best information about the business side of things, where can they go? Uh, go to our website, uh, bosscatkitchen.com. Uh, you can see all of our growth and cool opportunities, or you can follow me on social media mm-hmm. at uh, just under seven. Uh, 611 for anybody wondering out there. Uh, you'll, it'll be entertaining at the very least. That's so. for sure. Very that cool. For sure. Thank you guys very much. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you to our listeners. Like and subscribe. Five stars, five stars. We're out.